Myers. He's got Chris Moore down the middle of the field. He's off to the races again. They are not going to catch Chris Moore, who is going to go 78 yards for another Cincinnati touchdown. So Kilpatrick drives all the way to the basket. Lefty shot. Good. 4.3 seconds left in overtime. He takes the shotgun snap. Short drop. Looking. Fires down the middle of the field. Caught by Kelsey. He's running away to the 30, the 20, the 10. It's a miracle. A touchdown for the Bearcats. Cumberland swerving into the lane. Great spin move. Right hand layup is good. Spin cycle. Add fabric softener later. Adams on Gary Clark. Throws it back out to Troy Copain. 308 left. Evans for three. Got it from the left wing. Boy, was that a big one. Tony Pike waits for the snap. Has the football. Short drop. Lobs one down the sideline for Bins. He's got it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Go Beer Cats podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And we got a very, very exciting episode here for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk about the, the big win over the Pirates the dominating performance by the Bearcats yet again. And in this episode, I'm going to take you behind enemy lines. And we are going to talk to and get an interesting perspective from UCF Mike, a podcaster, vlogger, very busy man on the interwebs. We're going to talk to him later in the show. We're going to talk about what to look out for in the Bearcats game against the Knights in Orlando this Saturday at 3.30. And as always, it's the biggest game of the season. Why? Because it's the next game of the season. Before we get started here, Beer of the Podcast. Got a special one here. I don't think I've ever had it before from 50 West Brewing right here in the great Cincinnati. This one is Home Sweet Home, a brown ale, malt beverage with natural flavors, 7% ABV. It says there's no place like home. It's brewed with sweet potatoes, molasses, and pecans. So, darker beer, definitely a brown ale. Smells sweet. Kind of smells kind of nutty. Let's taste it here. See how she's drinking. That's smooth. That's good. Brown ale, it's sweet. It's kind of nutty. <clears throat> Don't let the sweet potatoes sort of throw you off there. It kind of sounds weird for something like that to be in a beer, but that's not the vibe I'm getting from this. Sweet, nutty, kind of thick. I'm digging it. I'm gonna give it a three seven five out of five. Have to have to log that on Untapped here after the show. I'm going to keep drinking, but I'm going to keep talking about the Bearcats here as well. We had another another blowout win by the Bearcats here. Des Ritter throwing for 327 yards, throwing for three TDs. We have the Bearcats running all over the field, blowing through the ECU defense. Des Ritter, have you heard his name lately? Uh, he had eight carries for 75 yards and a rushing touchdown. Uh, Jerome Ford with two touchdowns. You have the walk-on senior Cameron Young from Columbus, Ohio, with a big 75-yard run, <laughs> which just makes me laugh. Uh, on the last play of the game, uh, he broke it open. ECU thought 
I don't know, maybe they thought they heard the whistle or something. They decided not to play defense and then get get they then they got angry about it. Whatever, it is what it is. Bearcats win big, 55-17. Not excited that ECU scored 17 points. That's the second most this season, only behind Austin P, who put up 20. Yeah, they scored in gar in the garbage time. Sort of ran it in because they thought they had to. Um, I don't know. It doesn't really matter in the in the big scheme of things. But like I said a couple shows ago, I was hoping for for a shutout. We didn't get that, but we did put up over a 50 piece. So I'm I'm cool with that. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you got Trey Tucker, who uh, who had four receptions for 69 yards. And a touchdown. Michael Young with 60 yards and a touchdown. Jay Sean Jackson, who had a great game, uh, and he capped it off with a touchdown. Alec Pierce made it back into the lineup. He only had one catch uh, for nine yards, but it was good to see him, uh, you know, come back in uh, and make a play when, you know, it went when he went down. He thought he might be out again uh, for a while. Of course, you had the fake punt. Everyone's talking about the fake punt. Pat McAfee's talking about the fake punt. Uh, ECU fans are real butthurt about the fake punt. Uh, the game, I mean, this game was over in the second quarter. The second half, it was just a practice, right? It was just, it was just basically a walkthrough. Uh, you know, I mean, Ben Bryant played most of the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, the second string, third string, they're playing. A lot of the the fourth quarter, if not the second half, and it was kind of a perfect time to to check into that. Uh, you know, they said that the coaches didn't call it. Uh, who was the guy that checked into that? Uh, a linebacker, I think, checked into that because ECU was 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 overloading one side. They had like three guys to defend five on that side out of the ball, and uh, it was something that they said that they practiced a lot. Uh, the past, you know, a couple of years, and finally they got the opportunity to. Uh, that's more ECU's fault, more Coach Houston's fault than anything for setting up a, a stupid lineup like that or a, calling a stupid play like that. The Bearcats showing their their football IQ and, and checking into a play that they should have checked into. Not upset about that. Let's talk about the defense here. You're, I mean. It's, it's the same, uh, you know, the usual suspects here. Darian Beavers has seven solo tackles. Jarrell White had a big game. James Wiggins had a nice game. Ethan Tucky, uh, Joel Dublanco, he's the guy that checked into that, that fake punt. He had a decent game on defense as well. Uh, Ehlers, the ECU QB, had a just a horrible night. Uh, whether he was being sacked or he's being picked off. He's picked off three times. Uh, Jarrell White, Kobe Bryant, James Wiggins all had an INT. Jarrell White with a pick six. Made it a long night for uh, for the ECU Pirates. <clears throat> let's, uh, let's talk about here some things that, that stood out to me and some things that I noticed. So my, or Keaton Mitchell, that's the freshman ECU running back, uh, he put up just over 100 yards on the Bearcats this past weekend. That's the first 100-yard rusher that the Bearcats uh, that the Bearcats had go against them. 
the first one all season. I think Army had a guy that put up 88 yards. Another one had 81. But to get to get up and over the century mark, uh, the freshman Keaton Mitchell is the first guy to do that. Kind of interesting. I would think that part of that running success uh, was because the big guy up front, Elijah Ponder, Bearcats defensive tackle, went down with what looked like uh, maybe it was a knee injury. Uh, I don't know that for sure. It's kind of what he was sort of grabbing at or uh, getting attention to by the medical staff on the field. And after he came out, there's a noticeable difference on in the defense uh, and their ability to stop the run. It took him a while to adjust and uh, you know to, to be able to solidify that the def- defensive line again. But that's definitely something to watch going forward. Uh, Fickle said in his uh, press conference that he's not ruling Ponder out for this weekend. Uh, him and uh, you know some of the other guys that's been out for a while, uh, he called them uh, some pretty tough guys or pretty tough dudes or something like that. And it uh, sounds like they're day-to-day. So that could be a good sign, something to watch out for. Uh, Elijah Ponder may be make, being quietly the, the force that holds the defense together. Uh, at least and most definitely on the uh, defensive line. With that win, uh, the Bearcats go to 7-0. and They are ranked 7 in both polls. And uh, much to my dismay, uh, recording this on Tuesday the 17th, when I thought the uh, college football playoff rankings was going to come out today, um, on the website it said that they would be out today. Uh, ESPN had a college football playoff ranking show tonight. Uh, but then they announced that the rankings would come out next week on the 24th. So they got uh, some free rankings off or ratings, free ratings off of me. Uh, I was tuned into that show for about 45 minutes before I realized what was happening. Uh, they did talk about the Bearcats. They did talk about BYU. They did talk about what uh, the Bearcats would have to do to get into the playoffs, which is still an outside shot. Definitely have three more games to go. And the conference uh, championship game, four games left if you're assuming the Bearcats take care of business these last three weeks of the regular season. The big talk, though, is is BYU or the Bearcats. BYU or the Bearcats. BYU has has the Heisman candidate-esque quarterback. The Bearcats have the defense. Uh, I don't think the, the Bearcats get enough Love. They don't get enough attention. They don't get enough credit for what the offense has been able to do this season. I mean, the Bearcats are averaging almost 42 points a game. That sort of gets you know swept under the rug. Uh, you know, meanwhile we're allowing 12.4 points a game. Uh, so I think you have to look at the common opponent, which which is Houston. You know, that, that's common opponent. That's a phrase you're not going to hear a lot this year because of COVID. Uh, and uh, the restrictions, uh, teams not playing enough games or as, as many games as normal. Uh, but BYU struggled against Houston. They were down in the second half. They were down uh, for a little bit in the fourth quarter. I believe they were down by 14, maybe 21. I, I can't remember off the top of my head here. But they were down. They had to, they had to mount a comeback uh, and finally sort of you know uh, take control of of the game and. and and sort of out-muscle, out-play, out-skill the, the Houston Cougars who are not having a great year. The Bearcats, on the other hand, 
dominated Houston from start to finish, never looked back. Uh, if the committee is going to look at that, which I think that they should, uh, I think that could be, uh, you know, it's obviously advantage Bearcats, and I think that could tip the scale in the Bearcats' favor if it should come down to something like that. We'll see. Still a lot of football left to be played. But ECU, in the record books, dominated 55-17. That was the most important game of the season up until this point. Now it's time to turn our focus on to the next most important game of the season. And that is against the UCF Knights. The Bearcats travel to Orlando to take on the Knights. Uh, they are 5-2, and 4-2 two, and two in the conference. Games at 3.30 on ESPN2 as of now, but the TV schedule is sort of wonky. Uh, so we'll see if that doesn't change here. Uh, but... Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I've reached out behind enemy lines to give you a unique perspective, uh, perspective of the enemy, if you will, at least the opponent, the, the conference rival here. Uh, we're going to we're going to bring him in, uh, our guest of the show. He is one half of of the podcast Sons of UCF, uh, and he's featured uh, on the Sons of UCF pregame show every week that they do on Periscope and some other places. We'll talk to him about that. Uh, and you can find him on Twitter at UCFMike1. All right, Mike, welcome to Go Beer Cats, the podcast. How's it going, man? Doing pretty good, man. Thanks so much for giving me a call. And congratulations on starting this podcast, man. You already got a cool name, so you're off to a great start, as it is. Yeah, I appreciate that, uh, man. I, I, uh, I try to. We got a pretty good uh, craft beer scene here in, in Cincinnati, so I try to talk a little bit. Well, not yet, but I, I plan on talking about that a little bit as well. More as uh, you know, football and, and basketball isn't quite uh, you know as heavy in the summer, so that'll give me something to talk about year round. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was blogging for a while. You know, got the website and you know always putting up hot takes on Twitter. So. I thought it was time to venture into the podcasting, and uh, it's given me a pretty unique opportunity here to, to talk to different people, and uh, not unlike yourself and some others. So uh, I'm having fun with it so far. How? Uh, so your podcast, your podcast is the Sons of UCF, correct? That's right. Uh, we've been doing it now. This is our third season. But me and my buddy uh, Adam, who created the show, uh, we went to high school together. We went to college together. We lived together for four years. And, you know, now we've gotten older, we have kids, we're married, we don't see each other as much. But he calls me one day, he says, hey, I'm thinking about starting a podcast. I thought he just wanted me to come on for the first episode to help him out. I said, yeah, yeah, I'll help you out. And here I am three years later doing every episode with him. And it's just been a lot of fun, man. It's just become a hobby, and it's something we'd be doing anyway, just the two of us talking UCF stuff, so we figured we'd record it. And we've been lucky enough now to have a lot of ex-players come on the show, ex-coaches come on the show. Uh, we even had Maury Povich come on the show. If you remember two years ago when we did, uh, when we played you guys on the college game day game, Maury Povich was the celebrity guest picker, and nobody at UCF knew why. So we had to figure that out. We had him on the show to talk to him about it. And a couple weeks ago, we even had Mike Golick on, and he was calling the UCF-ECU game on ABC. So he was nice enough to join us for a half hour. But we've been really lucky getting a bunch of uh, cool guests on the show, and, and we just had a great time doing it. It's very nice, man. I mean, I, I, you know, for me at least too, it's uh, it's sort of easy to do these types of things when things are going well. Uh, if, you know, for me, I can't imagine 
getting on here and crying every weekend after Tuberville let us down, you know, to the seventh circle of hell again. Uh, so, you know, it's definitely easier when things are going the right way. Oh, yeah. Well, we didn't have our podcast in 2015 when we didn't win a game. So it's no coincidence that we started ours after the 2017 season. We already went perfect for a season. We've been doing it 2018, 19, and now this year. So it's definitely easier when you're winning. I would think. Absolutely. So, so let, let's you know get into it here. We got we got the the Knights and the Bearcats at 3:30 this Saturday on ESPN two. Uh, unless on, TV schedules are weird, unless that changes bef- between now and then. Uh, the Central Florida Knights here they're sitting at five and two, right? Four and two in the conference. Uh, and really, their two losses are heartbreakers, really. I mean, they lost Tulsa, which has turned out to be a, a solid team so far. Uh, they lost, you, uh, you guys dropped one 34-26, and then an absolute shootout with Memphis 50-49. But other than that, the Knights have taken care of business pretty handedly. Uh, what is, you know, what's the mood around, around the Knights this season? Man, those two games you mentioned, those are games we thought we should win and games we really were in control of. We had three score leads in both those games. We're up 23-5 to on Tulsa at the half, and somehow they did what they did to us last year and come back and stun us in the second half. We had no answer for them. I still can't explain that one. Our offense just completely shut down. We only scored three points in the second half of that game. Mm. And then the Memphis game, we were in control of that game, 35-14. We were up a few scores late in that game and allowed them to come back. And then we drove the field for a game-winning field goal, and, and our kicker missed the kick. So two games that we feel like we should have had, and let's slip by. And the feeling around UCF fans now is kind of this season is, um, you know, it's missed opportunities. I mean, those two missed opportunities, and now we're hoping for uh, a three-way tie to somehow find our way into the conference championship game. We're, we're coming up with scenarios every week of we need this team to lose and we need that team to lose. <laughs> so... <laughs> It hasn't been as fun as the last couple of years, but there's still excitement, man, and everybody's excited for this week's game, that's for sure. Definitely. So you, uh, so you kind of mentioned there, the last time the Bearcats came to town, uh, you guys hosted College Game Day. I mean, that was were, – were you uh, on campus for that? What was what was that like to, to host College Game Day? Because the Bearcats have never. Yeah, so that was a huge day for the whole program. Talking about a guy like me, I started. I went to school there starting in '98, so my first year was when Dante Culpepper was quarterback. Okay. And we had just transitioned from Division Two, so we were just coming up. I've basically seen all of the Division One era, and it's been really cool to see us go through as independent, and then into the MAC for a few years, and then Conference USA, and now in the American, and just see the program grow over the last 20 years. That day was very special for somebody like me, and. It was incredible. The scene out there that day was amazing. Just the sea of people that were out there. I'm sure you watched that day and oh, yeah. you watched the game that night. Uh, it, just the atmosphere was, was, it was just impressive. I, I don't care what school you're talking about. I don't know any other school in the country that could have matched that. And not to say anything about you guys, but I don't think anybody could beat us that night. I mean, the place was just on fire from the beginning of the game, from the, from the morning on. It was just an electric atmosphere. I don't know if anybody could came in there and beat us that night, and we played well. And we, we beat you guys pretty good that day. But um, 
I don't think yeah, you, I don't think you see. Yeah, I don't think UC scored an offensive touchdown that that night. I think I think we had a fumble recovery or something in the end zone and and a couple field goals, and then that that was a good night. Uh, when they started the game off, we kicked the ball off to you guys and forced, I think, three false starts to start the game. The crowd was so juiced up. Yeah. And, and you guys actually did convert the first down and move the ball a little bit and punt it, and then that's when we fumbled in the end zone. And I kind of looked at my dad who was at the game with me, and I was like, what, what just happened here? <laughs> you guys took a quick uh, 6 nothing lead, but then, yeah, we controlled the rest of that game. And, and that was one of the best games ever like, inside that state. Without a – I mean, that's, that's awesome. And – as I as I go back here and look at sort of the history, it seems like you know these high stakes games b- between UCF and UC have been going on for a while, but they've only played each other five times, and that's that's really with the birth of, of the American Conference. Uh, we uh, the year before that, uh, you know, a lot of ECU fans are talking or complaining about running up the score. That two was that the 2017 year. Uh, the Knights dominate the Bearcats, and we didn't even play the fourth quarter. Uh, I forget if it was like lightning or something, but it was basically a mercy rule. Uh, so. Right, they called that one. They called that one. Like, yeah, it was lightning and it was raining, and we were up like 52 to 20 or something, and and they just stopped the game. They said we're not coming out for the fourth quarter. Yeah, so. yeah, that was that was ugly. Uh, yeah. Uh, but the two years before that, you guys had us. I mean, in 2015, anyway. I know for sure we didn't win a game. <laughs> right. That, that was the, that was the tough year. That was, uh, that one might have been. I don't know this for a fact, but that my Tommy Tuberville's was that his last season? I don't know. I try to block that out of my memory. So let's let's just skip that. Senator elect Tommy Tuberville and his history here. Uh, but so that that sort of talks that leads us to talk about uh, as we're you know talking about the history here of last year's game uh, that that was a game that that I was at I believe it was a, a Friday night uh, you know very electric atmosphere and and the Bearcats get the better of the Knights 27-24 uh, you know we saw sort of the the emergence of Ahmad Gardner the corner that sort of uh, that was his coming out party for for UC, and he hasn't really looked back. What uh, what are your memories of that game and how that panned out? All right. Well, that game we also uh, I believe we had the lead in the first half of that game too, and you guys put a lot of pressure on Dylan Gabriel, the freshman with his first year as quarterback, freshman last year, and picked him off I think three times. One of them returned for a touchdown. Yeah. And that was the story of the game. I mean, the, the defense locked us down for the most part in the second half. And I, that was a game we knew it was going to be a tough one. It was on the road at night. You knew, we knew you guys were going to be out for revenge from the year before. I, everybody knew that was going to be a tough game, and, and it proved to be. And, I mean, I, a lot of it is uh, we, blaming on turnovers and sloppy play, and you guys did what you needed to do. You got pressure on the quarterback. It was the same recipe that Pittsburgh used earlier in the year when they beat us. Um, and that was the recipe of beating us last year, and that's what Tulsa did to us too. And our three losses, but the three losses all combined by seven points. Yes. Games that we mm. feel like we could have won, and we had the ball there at the end against you guys too, and still couldn't come down there and kick a field goal tie or That's that. I, I didn't realize all all the losses were within seven points. That's tough. Uh, I mean, all three combined were seven points. So three points right. to you, one point to Pittsburgh, and three points to yeah. That's Tulsa. that's tough. So. so 
So uh, this year, what's the, what's the difference between uh, you know the team last year and the team this year? Oh well, okay. It starts with the quarterback, Dylan Gabriel. As I just mentioned, he was a freshman last year, and you can see the talent the kid had. But this year, he's taking it up a whole other level. Last year, you can see he was kind of depending on Gabe Davis, his number one target last year, now at the Buffalo Bills. You can see he used him as a security blanket, and he would look to him first chance. Every, got, every chance he got, he'd throw to him. This year, he's spreading it around a lot more. And he's got his, his main weapon this year is Marlon Williams. But Dylan Gabriel right now is number two in the nation in passing yards. He got 2,774. He's only seven yards behind Shane Michelle at SMU. And Michelle has played two more games than him. Mm. So he's got 23 touchdowns, only two interceptions this year. And he threw three against you guys in one game last year. He's been much better at control, uh, taking care of the football. Marlon Williams, like I said, number two in the nation in receiving this year. And we also have the number five receiver, who's Jalen Robinson. He's a transfer from Oklahoma. Those two guys have been incredible, just a, a fantastic duo to watch. And this week, supposedly, we're, we're thinking that Trey Nixon's going to make his comeback. He was hurt in the opener of the, uh, the season this year against Georgia Tech. He scored a touchdown and, and believed to be uh, hurt his collarbone. And he was coming into the year supposed to be the number one or number two receiver. So now when we have those three guys back, the offense has been – the offense. you can't ask anything more out of the offense this year. The offense has been improved. Uh, like I just mentioned, the passing game, and we, we got some solid running backs. Uh, Greg McCray, who ran for over 1,000 yards two years ago, was hurt a lot of last year. He's back in there. He's looking good this year along with Otis Anderson. They basically split the carries on offense. And I can't have no complaints about the offense at all this year. We put up 49-51, 49-51. Check the scores. The offense has done their job this year. Uh, I mean, I would definitely have to say so. I mean, on ESPN here, I mean, they uh, the Knights scoring 44 points a game, averaging over almost 620 yards. Uh, so I when I when I think when I see those numbers, I think that's that's sort of been the mo for the Knights. The past, I mean, since you know that 2017 season, is that they're going to light up the scoreboard, and it seems like that's no different again this year. Right. Well, before this past week against Temple, we were actually on pace to, to put up 652 yards per game, which would was the uh, would be a college record. But that number went down this week after the Temple game. The Temple game, um, we had a few scores early in the game where the turnover set us up with short fields, so we didn't have many yards to go. And then in the second half, in the fourth quarter, we completely took our foot off the gas. Didn't I don't even know if we threw any passes. Just kind of ran out the clock. So that kind of hurt the average a little bit. I think we only put up about 400 yards of offense this past week. Only about. Yeah, the offense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to Dylan Gabriel, he's thrown for over 400 yards, I believe, four times already this year. And that's a school record for a career. He's a school record for a career. He's done it in one season. The Memphis game, he threw for over 600 yards. So, I mean, the offense is what it is, but we haven't faced a defense like you guys have. That's for sure all – all season, I mean, the last couple games, we're, we're talking about Houston and Temple, and these numbers are being put up against East Carolina and, and schools like that. So this week is definitely a, a big step up in class for us. So, so the, I mean, it sounds like, again, the, the offense is, is firing on all cylinders. They're ready to go. What's the story on the other side of the ball? 
the defense is a completely different story. I don't know if you guys are up to speed on this, but a couple of weeks ago, basically our whole defense got pulled over by the police. Right? <laughs> uh, two cars of, of defensive players. One had four guys, one had five guys in it. And when the first car got pulled over, the, the kid that was driving, Antoine Collier, starting safety, was driving without a license. Oh, God. And then also they had, they had guns in the car. Jeez. Okay, so from that incident, we had four guys kicked off the team. Antoine Collier, um, Randy Charlton, Kenny Tunier, and Eric Mitchell. And these are guys on every level of the defense. We've got a defensive back, a linebacker, and a couple guys on the defensive line. Starters, guys that contribute every single week, gone off the team. And we've had to replace them now with a bunch of young guys, guys that have gotten some experience before. But going into the Houston game, the over-under for that game was in the 80s. You know, you match up our offense with a defense that just lost four starters. Everybody was betting the over. And the defense came out and played the best game of the year. You couldn't explain it. <laughs> and then this past week, I mean, I know it's Temple, and they were missing their starting quarterback, Anthony Russo. They played an even better game on defense. So I can't explain the defense is <laughs> my point. Uh, we're relying on a lot of young guys, guys that are still gelling together. Um uh, Young cornerbacks. We have three freshmen at corner. Corey Thornton came down with his first interception last week. Uh, we got Devontae Brown and Justin Hodges is getting a lot of playing time. Aaron Robinson was the other the other guy in the secondary. He's got experience. He's a transfer from Alabama. Another transfer that just started playing two weeks ago is Devon Wilson from Georgia. He, we, it took him about six weeks for him to get granted his, his uh, waiver to be able to play, and now he's out there on the field. He's going to get a little more snaps as the weeks go on now. Maybe he's getting a little more comfortable. But, I mean, Richie Grant, I would say, is the leader of the defense. He's the name you've probably heard before. He's the safety on the team. If I had to tell you guys to look out for one guy on the defense that's going to make a big play at the big time, it would be Richie Grant. All right, all right. That's good stuff. Uh, I, I had not heard about the the, uh, the defense arrest uh, that, that you mentioned there. I, I, I don't I don't think well, I, I had heard about that at all. Yeah, oh, I don't. <laughs> I'm telling you, there was two cars of guys. The first car had four guys, and there, there were a couple guns in the car. So that kid didn't have not only did he not have his driver's license, he didn't have a permit for the gun. So he got arrested. And then in the other car, um, they pulled over just to check on to see what the other guys were doing and a couple of those guys started mouthing off to the cops it was all caught on uh body cam footage uh everything's out there for the public to see it's a really bad situation for ucf something obviously we're not very proud of and i think hypo and the staff handled it right the guys are off the team um they said things that are not acceptable and they're paying the consequences and these are some of these guys were seniors this was it for them and their careers who knows where it goes from here but I think he had to set the example for the rest of the team that this stuff cannot be tolerated, and that's what's happened now. And here we go with the young guys, and let's see what we got. Yeah, and not to get too far off topic here, but but UC fans are are you know no stranger to, to news like that. Uh, once upon a time, we had a, a basketball player allegedly punch a police horse named Toby, uh, and had some severe consequences that he had to deal with. Uh, that was, I mean, you know, under the under the Huggins uh, and back of the day, uh, hilarious story. If if you uh, listen to uh, 
Alex Meacham, he's a former walk-on for UC, uh, the basketball team. He has the uh, Bearcats podcast. And the guy came on there and told his side of the story. And I, I died laughing, but you know, at the time, I'm sure not a lot of people thought that was very funny. Uh, so no stranger to news like that coming here from Cincinnati. So yeah, unfortunately, that's something you got to deal with, I guess, throughout college sports. These kids are 18, 19-year-old kids. They're making silly mistakes and doing things that you wouldn't do as you get older. Exactly. That's part of it, I guess. I guess. Uh, Mike, I want to read you here. Uh, earlier today, this mo- or was it yesterday morning, or maybe this morning, I forget. Uh, so Coach Luke Fickle has a weekly press conference where he sort of uh, you know, takes questions, talks about the, the previous game, and looks forward to, to the game ahead. And I want to read you a quote here uh, from this, because I doubt anyone, uh, not that many people, has seen this. But I want to read you this quote from him because I think uh, I think Fickle shows a level of respect for for UCF that I don't see him give to a lot of other teams in this conference. And uh, when I read this to you, you'll you'll you know, you'll you'll sort of pick up on it. So I want to get your reaction to this. So he says, this is a huge game. UCF has been the most talented team in this league and done an unbelievable job. Obviously, Memphis won last year. But since I've been in it, this league has to go through UCF. The reality is that they they have a conference championship and we don't. It's not like we think we're something different. They're still in a better place than we are. Our job is to, to get where they've been, and we haven't done that yet. Uh, very complimentary, and I cannot say he's wrong. Uh, going back the last few years, well, Let's say since the conference started, the very first year of the American, UCF won that in 2013. We won a share of it in 2014. It was split three ways. And then we won it again in 2017 and 2018 with perfect regular season. So four out of, uh, of the years here since the American has been around in the last seven, eight years, we've won it. So we've been on top of the conference for a while now. Last year, you guys had a very good season. Memphis has been very good for the last couple of years. They gave us very tough games in the conference championship game for two years in a row. And then they, they finally broke through last year. It's been a tough conference. It's been a fun conference. But he's not wrong when he says that UCF has been the team of the conference for the last few years. I have to agree with him. I'm not trying to sound like a homer or anything. And you guys have your shot now. You guys, you guys have your chance now to come and, and take the throne. And you're in perfect position to do it right now. Riding a... Seven and zero streak coming into the game, so let's see now if you guys can finish it off and and take care of business the rest of the way. Yeah, yeah, I think the key thing you said there was come and take it because it's definitely not going to be given to us this weekend. Definitely going to have to earn it, you know, start to finish. Um, but yeah, I, I don't hear Fickle talk like that about a lot of teams, and, and maybe it's it is because of the notoriety and and the level that UCF has been up to. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't hear him talking like that about. ECU last week or, or, or even, you know, Houston or, or Tulsa or, you know, whoever it may be. I think that, uh, you know, Fickle showing that sort of level of respect. Uh, he, he did something I think he doesn't do a whole lot, and he kind of, you know, not necessarily showed his cards, but, you know, he let, you know, whoever's listening, who's paying attention know that, you know, they've, they've probably had this game circled because they know, you know, this is – this is for you know for all the marbles, if you will. Right, 
and I think we, us as UCF fans at the same time, we circled this game at the beginning of the year too. We were hoping in a normal year without COVID or anything that this would be another college game day game. You guys yeah. come to town, we would hope you guys would be undefeated and, and you've held up your end of the bargain. We haven't this year. We've lost our two games. Otherwise, this should be a top 10 matchup, we feel. Uh, early in the year, after we started out 2-0, and we were ranked as high as number 11. And that's after two games. That's unheard of <laughs> as an American team. Usually, yeah. you got to fight your way through that. And um, we blew it. We blew those two games that we should have won. But here we are, and we feel like we still have a chance for the division. And at the very least, we have a chance to knock off a top 10 team at home, a, a conference rival, where we used to have divisions, a division rival, and a team that beat us last year. And it's a revenge game. And these kids have that on their mind. They, they remember that night. They remember you guys storming the field after the game. Uh, of course they do. And they, they're going to come out fired up just as they should be. So it's going to be a, a very good game. I, I, I expect a very tough, fought, hard, uh, exciting game to watch. All right. So it's it's Saturday night. Let's say it's 9 p.m. Uh, I'm assuming the weather in Florida is way better than it is here. Uh, let's say you're outside on, on a patio or something celebrating a win that the Knights just had over Cincinnati. What happened in the game to cause that that victory for for the Knights? First thing I want to say, I think we have to cause a couple turnovers, which I don't know how you guys have been taking care of the football this year. I imagine you've been doing a good job. I believe we're number two in the nation in turnover ratio. I think we're plus 18. It's something we've been very good at all year, taking the ball away from guys. And I told you before, Dylan Gabriel has been very careful not to run interceptions. If we can cause a few turnovers. And, and the other thing that really hurt us early in the year were penalties. We saw into this. I don't know what you want to call it, where we were just committing penalty after penalty. Even the game we beat East Carolina, we committed, I think, four false starts in a row. And the crowd had nothing to do with it because there was nobody in the crowd. It was, and, and that was a game. We had that game and the, and the Memphis game where I think we had 12 and 13 penalties. No, I'm sorry, 18 and 19 penalties in those games. Hmm. So hmm. that's something that we've kind of corrected the last couple of weeks. We've gotten a lot better. But we cannot go back to that. We cannot have these personal foul penalties that we've, we've done a few times already this year. So play a clean game, win the turnover battle, and somehow contain Desmond Ritter on the ground. Because that is something that UCF has struggled with for as long as I've been watching UCF for the last 20 years. Quarterbacks that can run. That's always been a bugaboo of ours. It's, I don't know, I don't think anybody has been able to contain him yet this year, but if somehow we can keep him in the pocket at and not let them convert these third downs and extend the drive. That, that's going to be the key for you guys, I think, is having nice long drives where you keep our offense off the field and control the pace of the game. If we can stop Ritter from extending drives and converting third downs, I think we can win this game. All right. So so you sort of answered my next question there. So, so the reverse of that, 9 o'clock Saturday night, and – the Bearcats are victorious. You're, you're probably going to say it's because Ritter had himself a day with his legs and was able to move the ball, uh, not necessarily throwing it, but running it. Right. Well, 9 o'clock, if we lost, I'm already in bed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's what happened to me. <laughs> 
to the Memphis game, I believe a 3.30 game also, as soon as our kick missed and went wide left, I shut the TV off, went straight to bed, told my wife and kids, see you guys tomorrow. I'm not dealing with this. I mean, I had a bunch of beers already in my system. So by 9 o'clock, I'm out. If we lose this game, I'll be very upset. Um, but yeah, I think it's because we weren't able to contain Ritter. That, that, that was the key, I think, to your offense. Um, this kid, Ritter, the first couple, I got to tell you, the first couple years we played him, especially in 2018, I, I wasn't that impressed with him. And last year, even in the game last year, I didn't think he, he was that great. But he seems now to have the light turn on for him. He's having a hell of a season. Yeah. And I don't know what it takes sometimes for these kids. Yeah. I don't know if someone jumped on his throat or, or, or what, or if he just had that come to Jesus moment. But he's, he's ever since after that USF game, uh, which was almost as bad as it got. Uh, right after that, he's turned it on and he's been lights out. Uh, so well, that's what I can't explain about you guys either. Like, I look at your scores, and the closest conference game you guys played was against we call them the cows. <laughs> USF. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, that, they are one of the worst teams in college football, and somehow they kept you guys to the twenty-one point game. I couldn't explain that. Uh, I, I guess that's college football, huh? I guess, because in the first, like, six minutes, there were seven turnovers. Uh, I I didn't believe it, to be honest. Uh, yeah, we, we were kind of fortunate to pull that one out. And luckily got everything together since then. Uh, and I can't wait for Saturday. It's going to be an awesome game. Uh, 3.30 kickoff, so plenty of time to uh, to start pre-gaming uh, upon awakening. And I think I definitely will be for this one. So you call yourself the beer cats. What are you drinking there on Saturday? Uh, you know, I, I I don't I don't I don't have that. I can't think that far in the future. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, you don't have a go to game day beer. No, I, I'll, I'll drink something local. Uh, I'm drinking a, a beer from this uh, brewery called Fifty West. That's that's here in Cincinnati right now. Uh, I I don't know. It depends. I'll have something strong uh, for after the game. Um, you know, and we'll see what what mood, you know, what mood Brandon is in when I crack those open, uh, and maybe bring out the bourbon if necessary. Uh, whether it's with a victory cigar or not, the you know we don't know that yet. So we'll see. <laughs> what? Hey man, you guys have been having a great. Oh, go ahead. Sir. Oh no, I, I what? Go ahead, sir. I I, I want to ask you a, a couple a couple more things here, and then I'll, I'll let you uh, I'll, I'll let you go. I appreciate your time so far. No, I got plenty of time. I was gonna, actually going to get into the whole you guys with the whole college football playoff thing. I don't know if you're ready to discuss that. Yeah. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm I, I'm glad you brought that up because that is one of the last things I want to talk about. Um. Well, uh, I watched the the ESPN college football playoff show uh, for about 45 minutes tonight before I realized that they weren't going to release any rankings until next week, and that <laughs> that kind of pissed me off. Uh, so I turned that off real quick. Uh, how I'm how I'm feeling about it? Uh, it everything is so weird. You know, I, I did a show uh, a couple shows ago with my buddy Riley, who did a deep dive into this and what it would take for for UC to get there. Uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm not emotionally uh, ready to to say that the Bearcats are not going to make it, but I, I definitely think the odds are against us. Uh, you know, I mean, first things first, you gotta you gotta win the ne- the last four games. Uh, you know, three of the regular season, the conference, 
and that's much easier said than done. Uh, but but if the if that does go our way, uh, I honestly I would turn to you for advice and how you handled it in in 2017. The first piece of advice I'm going to give you. Don't watch the college football playoff show. <laughs> it's just going to cause heartache <laughs> and pain. I'm telling you, don't waste your time on it. Um, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news because if you guys do beat us this week, I will be rooting for you, and I hope you somehow do get in the playoff, and I root for you guys to win the playoff. But I got to tell you, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's not. The, the, the system is fixed against us. Oh, without There's a doubt. No way they're, gonna, they're not letting you in. They didn't let us in. We went undefeated two years in a row. Yeah. And they didn't let us in. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it's just the way it is, I guess, for now. I mean, I can see them putting in two SEC teams before they put you guys in. I could, you know what's going to stink, and I feel bad for you guys, is this year there's going to be so many, or there may be multiple undefeated teams. So you may, even if you don't get in the playoff, you're going to get in a New York Six game, and you're going to play like BYU. Yeah. Or they're going to stick you against Coastal Carolina or Liberty or, one of, or Marshall or one of these teams just because that's the, what they do. You know? <laughs> we, we left out in 2017 when we went undefeated. It was just a perfect storm because we ended up as the only undefeated team that year, which is part of the reason we claimed the national championship. You know? Right. And nobody beat us, and everybody else had a loss. And, and you can't call it a playoff. How can you, a sport, have a playoff where you win all your games and, and you don't advance and you don't have a chance to win at all? It's not a playoff. It's an invitational. We've been saying that for years down here. That's a good and way to put exactly it. That's exactly what it is. Yep. It's an invitational made by ESPN to draw ratings every Tuesday night, get guys like you to tune in and see where they're going to put you. But the, the honest truth is, they're not going to put you in. And, and to be honest, they wouldn't put us in this year either. This year we felt maybe, maybe, because we built up that reputation for those two years and we were already ranked number 11 after week two. If things went our way, we, we would still, we would need you guys to be undefeated, beat you as high ranked as you are, and still need help down the stretch. We would still need uh, another loss out of an SEC team or the Big 12 actually was working out great this year. Yeah. With Oklahoma and Texas losing a couple games early. That was big. But then when the Pac-10, the Big 10 and, and the Pac-10 came back in, I said, oh, that was it. That was, you know, we're not getting in. And unfortunately for you guys, I don't think you are either. I, I, like I said, if you beat us, I'll be rooting for you too. But I just, the system is not set up for us. And it's a shame the way college football is, is because no other sport in college is that way. Every other sport, you have a chance to get in. Basketball, you got the tournament. Baseball, you got a tournament. Every other sport, there's a path and there's a way you can actually win the championship of any conference except for football. I can't. I mean, I can't argue with anything that you're saying there, man. That's. Uh, I mean, I think you know, with the scenarios that we've, uh, you know, we've came up with, you know, I, I'm not concerned with the Pac-12 this year. Uh, I mean, they're they're not going to get to play that many games and. You know, chaos will will ensue there, and like you said, the the Big Twelve, uh, they're they're pretty much out of it. I think there could be some nails in the coffins that that would that would shut the doors. I think if if Notre Dame and Clemson, when they play again uh, in the ACC championship, uh, if they split that, you know, Clemson Clemson beating that, I think they would let uh, Notre Dame and Clemson in. 
with uh, Ohio State and Alabama. I think that's you know very easy uh, to call. So if something you know something like that happens, or Florida beats Alabama, uh, which I don't think they played yet. Uh, you know, well, they would play in the championship game. Yeah. But then, then you have Texas A&M scream and say, "Hey, we beat Florida," and they may put them in. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. that that's the team that I have a really big issue with right now, ranked number five. When they, well, I forget who they played last week, but they're a garbage team. They don't play again this week uh, because of COVID, and I don't I don't know how you leave them there. But that's, you know, I won't get on that soapbox. I I don't I I think that playing ten or eleven games a season. Uh, you know, versus, you know, some conferences playing seven or eight. I think that does help us. We have some things going our way. Uh, I think with UC, it's kind of weird because, like, if you look at BYU and their quarterback, uh, you know, whenever they talk about BYU and, and them getting a spot in the playoffs or New Year's Six Bowl or whatever, that's always talk of their Heisman candidate quarterback. And with UC, like, our national brand or, or our, our person that is talked about the most isn't like Des Ritter or Jarrell White on the defense, it's Luke Fickle. Uh, for whatever reason, I mean, he's, I mean, you know, he's with Ohio State for a long time, was the D coordinator there. But if, if you hear UC brought up nationally, you hear Luke Fickle before anybody else, which is kind of unique. I don't know what that means, just an observation that I've seen so far. Right. Well, he's, he is the face of the program for now. And that's another way that they keep us down. Because if you guys do go undefeated and go on this magical run, everybody's going to be coming for them. You know, you know Michigan's going to be knocking on the door. And every school that has an opening is going to come after the hot coach. And then the same thing that happened to us with Scott Frost. I mean, he, come, he came, took us undefeated, and he was gone. Um, and you saw the same thing with Memphis last year. Mike Norvell takes him on a great season, he's yep. gone. And that it's just another way to keep the Americans down. We don't have, we can't make the money that these other conferences make. We can't afford to pay these coaches. And that's how the entire system is rigged against us. And somehow teams like Cincinnati and teams like UCF, we still manage to compete against these schools with a third of the budget or a tenth of the budget in some cases. And, and we, we're better. You can't tell me that we're not better than half the teams in the SEC. Like or, Arkansas, the, or the Big Ten this year. The Big Ten's got awful this year. Any, yeah, any of these conferences. UCF and, and Cincinnati can compete in any conference in this country. I mean, the ACC has been garbage, except for Clemson, for the last decade. Mm-hmm. You know, Florida State is, is a complete dumpster spire down here. Miami is finally having a decent season, but they haven't been any good. Uh, the SEC has basically been Alabama and LSU. Sprinkling in Auburn every once in a while. Florida's finally getting their act together this year. They've been down for a good eight years. So, yeah, teams like UCF and Cincinnati and Memphis and even, uh, you want to say SMU, if they got their act together, they can compete in those conferences too. They're not, they're not South Florida. Those guys are just trash. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mike, let's uh, let me ask you another question. Let's shift gears here completely for a minute. Uh, the last episode uh, of the the Go Beer Cats podcast was, was a basketball preview with uh, you know, former UC player Terry Nelson. He does 
uh, color commentary on the radio network down here. He was on the 92 Final Four team, and he sort of broke down uh, the Bearcats basketball team, what to expect this year. Uh, do you guys have as, as heavy of a focus on basketball as, as you do uh, football on, uh, you know, Sons of UCF? Oh, on our show, yeah. We Once the football season's over, we will shift over and talk a lot of basketball. We do get into it. Uh, the, the fan base in general is not nearly as rabid about basketball as we are about football. Maybe you guys are reversed up there, I guess, with the history of, of having very good basketball teams for a long time. We're getting more into it. The run that we had a couple years ago in the tournament helped a lot. That was our first time we ever won a game in the tournament. We had Taco Fall. And you got, they, you uh, guys almost beat Duke that year. Should have yeah, should have beaten, beaten Duke. Should have beaten Duke. You want to go back over the last two minutes of that game and the five ways <laughs> we had that game won. The, the, the fouls they called and then the, the tip-in at the very end that bounced in and out, in and out, and fell out at the last second. Yeah, we, we had Duke beat. Uh, that would have been just an incredible win for the program. And unfortunately, with that team, we didn't get to see those guys together for long because Aubrey Dawkins was hurt the entire year before that. Mm-hmm. And then he left after that season. He had another year of eligibility, but he left. Taco Fall was hurt a lot the year before. Uh, B.J. Taylor, who was the uh, point guard on that team, we never got to really see those guys together for a whole season healthy. And they really started clicking in the second half of that year, and then we saw what they did in the tournament. I wish we had another year with those guys. That's our biggest regret down here. But the basketball team, I mean, we got some young guys now on this team. Since that group left, we've been replacing them now with some young talent and a couple transfers. It definitely seems like recruiting is picking up. We've signed a couple of nice young, young guys here for the next couple of years, so... I'm thinking we're starting to turn things around. Johnny Dawkins is a good basketball coach. I like him. For sure. So, um, yeah, I like where the program's heading. Uh, uh, this year, though, Colin Smith, who was supposed to be our best player the last year or two, has opted out for the season. So, he's a small mm. forward. He, he's going to be out for the year. And we really don't know what we're getting at. Like I said, we've seen some of these young guys last year, guys like Darren Green and Tony Johnson. Hopefully they progress, and then we got a couple other guys coming in. So I really can't tell you where we were going to be. I think we picked eight in the conference. But as you know, it's a very good basketball conference. So And you take those preseason rankings with a grain of salt. So, yeah, I mean, but, um, any reaction to the, to the news of uh, coming out of Wichita and, and the resignation of Greg Marshall? <laughs> that guy's a lunatic, man. <laughs> Are you surprised by that news? No, not really. Just watching him on the bench... Uh, you know, all these games and, and I mean, you know, throughout their, their run, uh, a lunatic. I mean, I mean, we had Mick Cronin. He was a, a lunatic on the sideline, too. I can't, you know, talk too much. But, but yeah, they're, yeah, they're two peas in a pod right there. Definitely, definitely uh, animated, to say the least. Yeah, Marshall takes it, I think, to another level. That guy, his blood pressure must be at an all-time high. <laughs> I don't know, but... <laughs> Wichita's always got a decent team. It would be interesting now with all the departures. They, they may fall to the bottom of the league. Um, Houston's always good. You guys are always good. SMU's always good. Um, finally, Cumberland's gone, right? Yeah, yep. I don't have to see him anymore. Yeah. I, he was not a fan favorite down here in Orlando, as you probably know. <laughs> but, uh, they've got some good battles with you guys, too, in basketball. We've come along now. 
Uh, I'm liking the way the rivalry is growing between the two schools, football and basketball. You, you guys got the leg up on us in basketball. Uh, I'm sorry, in football last year. We beat you uh, in basketball a couple years ago. We stormed the court on you too. So. Yes, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's been a fun rivalry. I like the yeah. way it's going. That was Gary Clark's senior year, I think. Uh, well, I think we, that's the year we got the two seed, and then dropped a 22-point lead to Nevada in the second round. That's an, another dark spot of UC sports history that I try to block out. Uh, there's a lot of those. <laughs> Love, one more question, and then, then I want to ask you, uh, I want to get your official prediction for the game. Uh, I don't, I don't, I've not been to, you know, a ton of sports cities or, or, or uh, you know, places around the United States that, that, uh, that seem to have the same outlook on life as, as Cincinnati fans. Uh, and I want to, I want to get your perspective uh, from coming from, from Florida and, and where you're from. Is it, let me, let me, let me see, let me okay. see how, let me, let me try to figure out how to phrase this. Even when things are going well and going in your favor, do you still have portions of, of Knights nation that are miserable and why? that is true in every fan base if your fan base gets to uh, a certain size eventually you're going to have some of those fans and okay for UCF fans like I mentioned I've been there for a long time now so when I started in 98 and 99 and 2000 we were trying to break through we had so many heartbreaking losses trying to come up uh, to SEC schools we, we took Auburn down so why we should have won that game when Back in 98, my freshman year, we had a, a game in Georgia in 99 where we got robbed with, with a offensive pass interference that they called on us. We called it the burglary between the hedges, a game we should have won there. Uh, we lost a one-point game in South Carolina. There were about 10 of those games that we could have won, and we just called it like we would find a way to lose. We UCF it up. You know, that, that's the way it went for a long time. Finally, we broke through it. We beat Alabama in 2000. That was our one win, and then that was our one win for a while. Yeah, and we would still find ways to, to lose games. Uh, a common saying down here, people have shirts, win or lose, we lose. You know, <laughs> going to football games, it was just a party. It was, the tailgates sometimes were more important than the games, and, and that's starting to turn around now. 2013, that season, we started winning all these close games. We started winning games that I don't know how we pulled them off. Um, making a miracle catch against Temple. I don't know if you've seen that. You've probably seen the highlight of J.J. Wharton completely stretched out, catching the ball one hand uh, on the mm-hmm. pass of Blake oh, yeah. And there were about four games that year that we just pulled out of nowhere. We should have lost and somehow won and then ended up beating Baylor in the Fiesta Bowl. So since then, the UCF fan now has become spoiled. Now you want to throw in that 2015 season where we didn't win a game. We got knocked back to reality. But – since 2016, 17, 18, 19, the young UCF fan thinks we're going to win every single game. They think we're going to score a touchdown on every single play. <laughs> they think we're going to get a turnover on any play on defense. I mean, and if we don't, then they start unleashing hell on Twitter and on the, on the message board that fire this guy and fire that guy. <laughs> I'm, so I'm glad I'm not, we're not alone. Uh, because I, I guarantee you, it it would take me not three minutes to find someone on Facebook or Twitter that still thinks that Des Ritter should not be starting. I I, I know I could find that. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, no matter what these guys do, uh, I, you know, the, the backup quarterback's always the most popular player on the team, right? Always. Uh, and that's a saying that's been going on forever in football. And, I mean, I, I don't actually, I don't know if anybody actually would have said that about Mackenzie Milton in 2017 and 18, because he's still revered down here as the, the best player we've ever had. But this kid Gabriel, man, he, I'm telling you, the start to his career is better than anybody else. And hopefully, all, all that's missing from his resume, resume now is that big win. Because he's putting up the stats, he's, he's throwing up the numbers every week. But that big win is what's missing. That game-winning drive to come down, and, and it, it could be this week. This would be the week to do it against the top 10 team at home. It, um, this would be a great start for him to start putting those wins together. And hopefully we, we, we see it on, on our end. I know you're not looking for that, but that's what's missing from him. And once he starts doing that, he. He makes it past Milton as the best quarterback down there. Well, you set me up nicely uh, for this with the talk of the game-winning drive. Uh, I I do uh, I do want to uh, you know thank you for uh, for coming on here and talking to me today. The last thing I want to ask you for is your official prediction for Saturday's game. All right, we've done a couple predictions already on our show. Okay. Ah, uh, I, I kind of go back and forth on this because I have my homer prediction. And I have a, a, a probably a more realistic prediction. My homer prediction is, it, I, I'm throwing this back 30 years. 30 years ago, Dylan Gabriel's father, Jerry Gabriel, was the quarterback of Hawaii. And BYU was ranked number four at the time, went into Hawaii, and Jerry Gabriel just lit them up, destroyed them. Ty Detmer came in, he was a Heisman Trophy winner, threw four interceptions, and Hawaii just rolled him, like 59 to 21 or 28 or something. And that's what I've been saying all week. You know, you guys are coming in highly ranked, you've been beating up everybody all year, and Gabriel's going to do what his daddy did 30 years ago and light you guys up, we're going to win this game 50 to 23. So that's my UCF Mike Homer prediction. <laughs> that's in a dream scenario what I want to see. Now, I, I give you guys a lot of credit. I don't think we're going to put up 50 points. I don't think you guys have given up 100 points all year. Uh, I don't think you got up all the game. No, uh, Austin P put up 20, uh, and East, we haven't allowed 13 uh, by anyone else except for ECU this past week that scored 17. Right. You're averaging 12.4, I think. Yeah, I yeah, think. something like that. So, so 50 points may be a, a blind UCF fan. But I see a, a possibility of it happening. It's just things just start rolling. You know, sometimes these games get snowball effects, and who knows if the pressure starts getting to you guys now with the undefeated season. That, that's what I'm hoping for. But realistically, the, the spread, I believe, is six points. Mm-hmm. I think UCF can at least keep it inside that six points. I, I think if we lose, it'll be a close game. I, you know, every game that we've lost under Josh Heupel has been a close game. We haven't lost by more than eight points ever. So, uh, I, I, and we're at home, even though the crowd is not going to be nearly the crowd it was two years ago with COVID. Um, I think the fans that are there will be loud. You'll hear from them, but it's not going to be nearly what it was. Uh, I'm going to still say UCF wins this game a little bit closer. And hopefully this is a Dylan Gabriel game winner, and we win something like, 30 to 27, 30 to 26, something like that. All right. So let me ask you real quick. So are, uh, UCF, are, do they allow fans into the game, or is it just family and friends of the players? Or how are they doing that? Oh, no, they're allowing 25% capacity. Nice. So the stadium holds 45,000. They're allowing 11,000 in. 
And we have not had 11,000 in for any game yet this year. So crowds have been around probably 8,000. They've been announcing 8,500. Uh, last week against Temple was probably less than that, even though that's what they announced. I expect this week, though, to get, if we don't sell out the 11,000, to get pretty close to it. Uh, this is a, a big game that everybody down here is excited for. So if we do get to 11,000 in a game, any game, well, it would have to be this the last home game of the year. But uh, I think there's a shot for that. All right, that's good stuff. You see that we don't have any fans allowed, uh, just for a family of players, uh, the band, the cheerleading squad, and they have been letting some other student athletes in, you know, because they are tested regularly. Uh, but that is about it. No one else. Uh, I think all the like the freshmen, people in dorms are watching from from their dorm rooms, which is what I would be doing too. But uh, that's that's interesting to know that there will be some fans there. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. Uh, go ahead. You guys have not played in front of any crowd then, huh? Because you only played one road game. Who was the road game again? Uh, that was, was that Houston? And I, I wanna... think they lost that No, it was, uh, no, you know, it was, it was SMU. Carolina. It was, yeah. it was at SMU because oh, they have, uh, yeah, they have, I thought it was really weird that a team in Dallas has a grassy knoll. Uh, that they refer to. Uh, I'm a history teacher, uh, so when I think Grassy Knoll, I think the assassination of JFK uh, in Dallas. So I don't, I don't know. I think that's kind of weird that they that they have that on campus at SMU. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but that was definitely the away game. Yeah, they they uh, because the the game before that I think was the Memphis game, Memphis at SMU, and the the student section got kicked out for not being like right, six right, feet right. apart. And we came in next week and I guess they follow the rules, but, uh, but yeah, they did have, they definitely had fans, some fans there. All right. But does it concern you at all that you guys have only played one road game so far this year and then you're coming down here? For uh, this season, not so much, uh, because everything is so wonky and messed up. Had this been, uh, you know, the the uh, the true, you know, the bounce house sellout, you know, college game day type atmosphere, yeah, big concern there. Uh, but I think it's I, I think it's a uh, much more even playing field, not just UCF, but when you go anywhere, when you know you're talking 25, 10 percent or whatever, uh, n- not a huge concern for this year. Yeah, no, it's definitely a big equalizer for sure. Yeah. If we had a normal crowd, they'd be fired up for this one. But yeah, uh, 25% is, is definitely going to be a big advantage for you. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like you said, I'm sure they'll still be loud and, you know, something to at least. And I mean, when you have that small of a crowd, no matter where you are, I feel as though you could probably hear a little more like things thrown at you. Uh, you know, if someone's hurling insults, it's much easier to hear that person, you know, with without 45,000 people around. Uh, so, you know, that's sort of, you know, a different aspect that you have to look into. Yeah, and also, I think actually it could be a disadvantage for the home team if things start going poorly, which I think is what happened in Tulsa, against Tulsa. Uh, in the second half, we started shooting ourselves in the foot, and our fans, you know, yeah, fans get drunk and, and they're angry, start yelling at their own team, it can have an adverse effect. So, true, uh, true. If you guys get out to a, a little lead there early, who knows if uh, the alcohol kicks in for our guys. Uh, I, so, 
each week I do put my prediction out out there as well. I think so. I'll do that this week as well. I think uh, I think it's this is going to be a closer game than, than some of the others, uh, just because just because of uh, you know the level the level of talent and expectation that UCF has around them. Uh, I will give UCF or UC the the win over over UCF, but I'm gonna, I'm going to say something like 27-21 or or 27-20, something. A little, a little more closer, you know, a little closer, a little too close for comfort for a lot of Bearcats fans. Uh, but I think, I think it's going to be a hell of a game, and I'm super excited for it. Yeah, if you guys keep us under 30 points like you did last year, like Colton did to us this year, then yeah, I, I believe you'll win that game too. So that, that's going to be the key, I think. Yeah, you know, the 30 point mark. We don't usually. Well, I mean, we lost to Tulsa, the uh, Memphis game, 50, 50 to forty-nine. But <laughs> normally, we do pull those ones out. That's something to watch for as well. So, Mike, uh, you know, before we get off here, where uh, where can people uh, find you again, and, and what can they look out, uh, you know, coming for you uh, on social media or anywhere else? Well, I'm uh, part of the Sons of UCF podcast. It's me and my buddy Adam. You can follow us on Twitter at Sons of UCF. Uh, we're on Facebook. You can search Sons of UCF. We have a YouTube page, Sons of UCF. I am at UCF Mike One, and we put out a podcast every week. Uh, we preview the upcoming games. We go over the games before. We we have all kinds of guests, former players. That something in the off season we do a lot of interviews, and now. During this football season, we, this year we started doing a pregame show, a live pregame show, which you can watch live on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. So this week, I mean, you guys maybe have some interest in this week's game. Maybe we'll get a, a, a Cincinnati guy on there too, and we discuss the game for an hour. So, you know, college game day, they, they talk about us maybe for a minute or two in the three-hour program. Maybe they bring you guys up once or twice for a minute. And they, they might pick your game. We decided, you know, screw that. We're going to do a full hour just on our game for the UCF fans. And we've been doing it every week so far this year. We've had a great time doing it. So we're going to continue doing it now. Tune in this week at 2.30. Actually, Adam was talking to me the other day. He kind of wanted to do an extra longer episode this week. So maybe we'll kick off a little earlier. But if you follow us on on Twitter, at Sons of UCF, it'll just pop up on your live feed. And you you can watch us there or just go to uh, search Sons of UCF on YouTube. Facebook and you can see us there too. Awesome, man. Well, you know, maybe uh, I think our, our, our talk here tonight, our discussion has been, been really good. Another, uh, uh, you know, leap forward for my podcast here in, uh, you know, it's growing uh, episode numbers. Maybe we we come back again and do it again for the basketball season uh, and talk some hoops a little more in depth and uh, over the winter. Yeah, man. Sounds great. Congratulations on this thing. Have fun doing it. it yeah, it's something. It takes a lot of work, man. I've learned that it, it's not something that anybody can just do. Jumping on there, for, you know, five minutes of preparation. It actually takes a lot of planning, a lot of work. I don't even do any of the editing and all that stuff. I don't believe that. So you're you're in control of everything. It, it's a big job. But hey, maybe we can do this again. Hopefully, in a few weeks for the conference championship game. If we beat you guys this week, and we'll see you again in a few weeks, I'll be happy to come back on and talk about that. Absolutely, man. It was good talking to you. <laughs> best of best of luck on on, uh, on Saturday, and uh, and I'll keep in touch. All right, man. Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. Thank you. I want to thank Mike for jumping on here with me tonight, uh, talking about previewing the UCF game this week when the Bearcats travel down to Orlando. 
We'll see if the Bearcats can't strike gold twice playing playing the Knights. Uh, heck of a game last year out when I was in attendance uh, in Nippert Stadium when the Bearcats beat the Knights 27-24. Let's see if we can't do it again. Keep this march forward, onward and upward, and see if we can't we can't do the unthinkable here. Had a blast talking to Mike. Thanks again to him. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, do the social media thing, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Untapped. I'm out there. Uh, let me know if you have any ideas for the show uh, or what you'd like to hear next. As always, uh, cheers and go Bearcats.